How do you define a successful life? If your answer can be summarized as earthly excellence and sacred significance, you're at the right place. Join host Stephanie Smith as she shares three keys unlocking a life of lasting purpose. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. You'll become smarter about yourself, skilled in human dynamics, savvy about the Christian faith, and strengthened to pass this wisdom on to upcoming generations. And now, let's get started. How many times have you read or heard the story of David and Goliath? This account is so familiar that David and Goliath has not only become a Christian reference, but a cultural metaphor in the United States as well as around the world. But what if this story was supposed to be Saul and Goliath? Welcome back to Life's Key 3, where we unlock your immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable impact by focusing on the importance of learning yourself, loving God, and living connected. This year's theme is the Year of the Word, and the goal is providing a strategic Bible study for you and, if you have a family, your family. Each week on the podcast, we'll unpack a significant passage of scripture, and then as a subscriber to Highlights, you'll have an additional three days of Bible passages for you and your kiddos. For the children, I use two different resources. One is the International Children's Bible, appropriate for readers and elementary age children, and the other is great for preschoolers the 365-Day Storybook Bible. For you and teens, I recommend reading or listening on a Bible app. You'll also receive insights and discussion questions for each passage. And every week, I throw in a response to a parenting question. You can get all the information at stephaniepresents.com. Now let's dive into today's episode. We are picking up with the 17th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. Let's set the scene. The Philistines and the Israelites are at battle again. They have been fighting each other off and on for a long, long time. And in this particular battle, the Philistines are encamped on one side of a mountain, and the Israelites are encamped opposite them on another mountain. On the Philistine side, there is a huge man. His name is Goliath, and he comes from Gath. And every morning, he comes out, and he makes this proclamation. I'm paraphrasing here, of course. You guys pick out a person to come and fight me, and we will duke it out. And whoever wins is winner take all. Now, he is definitely an imposing person. Presence. He is quite literally a giant, and his armor covers him from head to toe. And just his armor alone weighs more than so many of the soldiers of the Israelites all put together. And verse 11 tells us When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You think? Being afraid wasn't wrong or stupid. It was natural. If you have a giant that shows up, you've got good reason to be afraid. The presence of fear wasn't the problem. 
the position fear was given became the problem. Let me say that one more time. The presence of fear was not the problem. The position fear was given became the problem. The Bible switches here and it takes us back to give us a little bit of the backstory of how David shows up in this particular situation. Jesse is David's father and he is an old man at this point. He has eight sons. David is the youngest and his job is to take care of his father's sheep. Just as a side note, it's a little curious why there's not a servant to do this. If you recall, Boaz was Jesse's grandfather, and he was quite wealthy. How Jesse ends up in a position where he can't afford to hire out the care of his sheep and has to leave it to his youngest son is unknown. Or maybe David just annoyed him, and taking care of the sheep was a way to kind of get him out of his way. But maybe the family fortune had been lost. Maybe he or Obed had squandered it, or maybe it got passed to somebody else, or maybe the family just fell on hard times. We don't know. That's just all speculation and a little bit of curiosity. We do know from the previous chapter, 1 Samuel 16, Jesse doesn't seem to think a whole lot of David. I mean, when Samuel the prophet shows up and says, hey, I have come here on a special mission from God, and he wants to meet all of Jesse's sons, something is up. This wasn't just a routine, random, oh, I'm popping in for dinner kind of affair. This was a significant occasion that everyone recognized, okay, there is something really special going on here. And all of the sons are called to come and meet Samuel, except David. Not only is he not called to come in, but he's not even deemed to have enough value or worth to even be mentioned as a son. It's not until Samuel looks around and God has said to each one of the other seven, nope, Samuel, this is not the guy I've picked, that Samuel's the one that finally has to say, uh, you happen to have any other sons around here? And it's only then that Jesse says, oh, well, yeah, there's, there is one more, you know, he's, he's out taking care of the sheep and And then everybody has to wait until somebody goes and fetches David and then he shows up and then he's the one that God selects and Samuel anoints. Something about that didn't seem too impressive to Jesse because it doesn't seem to change David's position in the family at all. As a matter of fact, when we catch up here in this next chapter, where's David? He's back out taking care of the sheep. Let's look at that for just a moment because there's a great life principle here. Just because you're anointed for a calling to leadership, don't expect your family or those closest to you to rally around with congratulations. Don't expect God's anointing to change anyone's perspective of you because that's not necessarily going to happen. The people around you may do just what it seems like Jesse and his family did, which was kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. All right, everybody back to their places. And that's exactly where everybody went, including David. So in this battle, David is out tending the sheep. 
and some of his brothers have gone off and they have joined the military. They are there camped out on the mountain with Saul and the Israelites, and they are hearing every day Goliath come out and issue his challenge. Eventually, Jesse's father gets a little curious and probably a little concerned about what's happening with his other kids. Kind of got to wonder if David had been over there and none of the other guys, would he have sent any of the other brothers to go check on David? We don't know. What we do know is Jesse says here, I want you to take some food to your brothers, go check on them and come back and let me know how they're doing and how the battle is going. So David obeys his father, and he goes down to see how his brothers and the battle is progressing. And when he gets down there, every morning what happens is the same thing. The Philistines all are dressed in their battle gear, and they all come out, and they all line up. And the Israelites all get dressed up with their battle gear and their equipment and their weapons, and they come up, and they all line up on the other side of the mountain. So you have these two lines of enemies standing there opposite each other, yelling the war cry, and then doing nothing except speaking and listening. Because Goliath steps out of the ranks and he issues his challenge again. And it's very insulting and demeaning. And it's basically, hey, you, cowards over there on the other side, Don't you have anybody who's man enough to come over here and fight me? And when all of the Israelites hear this, they are terrified and basically they withdraw. This has been going on by the time David arrives for 40 days. For 40 days, the Israelites have heard this man come out and threaten them and tell them, send over somebody to fight with me. And whoever wins is going to be the winner of the entire battle. If you send your man over and he kills me, we will all just lay down our arms and we will surrender. But if I kill your man, you guys will all lay down your arms and you will surrender. Forty days, this whole process had gone on. Forty days of fear had accumulated in the hearts of everyone that was on that battlefield. Forty days of time away from family and homes. Forty days of provisions of food and water and shelter and sanitation to serve what purpose? Nothing. Forty days of wasted opportunity. And here is the point you absolutely cannot miss. And this is why I say perhaps the story was supposed to be Saul and Goliath, and it only became David and Goliath by the result of Saul's choice. You see, Saul, who had a history already of acting presumptuously and rashly, instead in this situation acts out of fear by choosing to not act. He isn't waiting on God because he's learned his lesson on the importance of waiting for God's timing, and he's just hanging out there with the army 
trying to give them the rah-rah, we're just here waiting on God, we're building up our faith, we are learning patience, we are learning to wait for the divine deliverance of God. That is not what is going on. This is 40 days in action because he's chosen to listen to fear and hear this, because this is the lesson that we cannot miss in this story. The critical mistake that Saul makes is he allows the enemy to establish the terms for battle. Let me say that again. The incredible mistake that is made in this story is that Saul allows the enemy to establish the terms for battle. The Israelites were under no obligation to listen to Goliath and accept his challenge. They could have said, uh, sorry, bud, that's not the way this battle is going to be fought. We are all coming for you, man. And they could have selected a squad of 20 men and said, okay, look, you guys, your mission, take out big guy over there. The rest of us are going to go fight everybody else. They never had to accept the terms that were given to them for battle by the enemy. This is a key element for us to apply in our own lives, and it is to evaluate. When are we waiting on something because we have been given divine instruction, whether through the Word of God, through the combination of common sense and wise counsel that aligns with the Word of God, because it is a time that God is telling us, look, I just want you to wait on me. I have a plan here, and I just want you to be patient. We already see where there were times that Saul didn't do that and the cost of that. And we see that not just in his life, but in other stories in the Bible as well. Our human tendency that we often focus on is acting too quickly, too rashly, rather than having the discipline to wait for the timing of God. But there is another mistake that we can make as well, and sometimes we never even see it. This lesson in this oh-so-familiar story of David and Goliath is not something that is routinely associated with this story. And I think it's such a tragedy because it's a powerful lesson for us. We must not engage in battle according to the terms that an enemy sets. We engage in battle on the terms that God sets and as he directs us, not because we decide to listen to the enemy. That verse 11 that I quoted a little while ago is such an important part of this chapter because what it says is Saul and all the Israelites listened to the voice of the enemy. Rather than seeking to hear the voice of God, they got distracted by something that was rightly upsetting and terrifying to them. Of course, they needed to have a proper fear of Goliath. He could literally probably bite your head off. But they stopped with fear rather than taking that fear to God. They took that fear upon themselves and used that fear to make a decision to not act. There is nothing in this story that suggests that God was directing Saul 
to sit there for 40 days with his army and his men there absorbing this fear day after day after day because he had to have David show up to kill Goliath. Goliath needed to be killed, but I don't think there's anything in this story that it had to have been David. I think the story was supposed to have been Saul kills Goliath. The men of Israel go off and defeat Goliath and the rest of the Philistines. David basically gets called in as a backup because in God's grace, he finally says, okay, I've given Saul all this time to seek me to go out and do what I have given him the ability and the calling and the responsibility to do, which is to go out here and to defeat this enemy. He's not doing it. Okay, yo, David, come on, let's bring you onto the scene. So David shows up by God's grace and absolutely he defeats Goliath and we are absolutely right to celebrate the faith that David had in God's provision to provide him with a strategy to kill Goliath as well as the protection and all of those things that went along with it. But we will shortchange ourselves and we will miss the richness of this story if the only thing we focus on is David's faith and we don't learn the lesson from Saul's fear and to apply that to our own lives. So again, a couple of things we're going to take away from this chapter. Number one, just because you're anointed for a calling to leadership, don't expect your family or those closest to you to automatically rally around you and get behind you. You want to pay attention to what people are speaking into your lives because sometimes those close to us are able to see things and speak things into our lives that we need to hear that we don't always want to hear. But there's a history here between David and his father and his brothers, and we even get a little glimpse of that in this chapter when he shows up on the battlefield that suggests they didn't think a whole lot of David to begin with. So when Samuel shows up to anoint him, it's just another kind of, oh yeah, well, whatever, it's just David. The second lesson here is that don't waste your time and other people's time and opportunities waiting because you're afraid to act. If there's wisdom or divine guidance in some way to tell you to wait, that's one thing. But there's no indication here that that's why Saul was waiting. He was only waiting to act because he was afraid. And number three, don't accept the enemy's terms for battle at any time, at any place. Follow God's direction and his voice, not the voice of the enemy. One of the things that I love about scripture is that no matter how many times you read the same passage over and over again, there's always something that's new that can be found. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a matter that every time I sit down to read the Bible or I'm listening to it on my audio app, that there are these new insights that just leap off the page every single moment. But it does happen. And that's why this year I'm so focused with this podcast on just bringing you the Bible and teaching that you can apply to it in your life and in your family. So whether you are dealing with a calling and an anointing that the people around you aren't gathering around, whether you are facing a Goliath in your own life, 
or whether you recognize, oh, I've been listening to the enemy and I've been fighting this battle on the enemy's terms rather than God's terms, whatever it is, be encouraged and strengthened from the lessons in today's chapter, 1 Samuel 17. Next week, we're going to pick up with 1 Samuel chapter 21, and this has a hard story in it. It's kind of one of those chapters, honestly, I'd rather kind of skip over, but can't do that because the Bible tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Again, if you haven't already, go to stephaniepresents.com, sign up for highlights, and you'll be able to cover all of 1 Samuel as you follow the reading plan, can dive into the insights and the discussion questions. And you know, if you don't have a spouse or children that you can turn this into a family Bible study, hey, grab a friend, have them sign up, listen along, and be able to talk about this with them, not just in some theoretical way, but in a way that you can apply in your own life. Because if you don't need it today, trust me, you're going to need it at some point in your life. So bank up your Bible knowledge and wisdom because it really is what you need for life. All right, my friend, that's it for today. Remember this, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. Thank you for listening. For information on speaking engagements and other resources, visit the website at stephaniepresents.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.